Vocalist Tara O'Grady combines her love for swing and New Orleans music with her roots in Irish music and storytelling. Tara embraces her queen's upbringing, but is especially romantic about the summer she spent in Ireland and the rich tradition passed on to her through her artistic family. Today I talk with Tara O'Grady about the mashup of these varied influences and the original jazz inspiration from her jazz guitar playing Eye Doctor. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Tara feels she has a spiritual connection with Billie Holiday. I didn't know that I had a spiritual connection with her until I went to a psychic the first time I ever went to a psychic. And this woman, this second I sat down, I wanted to talk about my Irish grandmothers. And instead she said, no, Billie Holiday's here and she wants, she has a message for you. And I'm like, oh, come on, let's talk about my grannies because I don't, I <laughs> Was a psychic a jazz fan? No, she didn't know my connection to Billie and that I, I wear her on my neck every night and I wrote a song about her mm. and I, I talk about her every single night I perform. And she said, Billie wants you to know she is proud of you because you're doing what she did and you're doing it um, in a clean way because I don't drink, I don't smoke, and you're handling the men in the business better, <laughs> better than I did. And I'm, I'm very honored that you sing about me and talk about me in such a positive way every night. And she said that she's always with me. And I was like, oh, I really don't believe this. So I said, let's just talk about my grandmothers. So we went on and she gave me messages from my grandmothers that were all spot on about my family and my history. And then the next time I went to her, because I, we became friends, so she started just giving me more readings. And every time I sat down, she said, Billy's here. And I'm like, come on. I really, but I didn't believe it. But then she texted me the other day and she said, you're not going to believe this. She said, I didn't realize that Billie Holiday's real name was Eleanor Fagan. She just read it in the newspaper. And she said, when you sat down that first time, someone said, Eleanor is here and wants to talk to Tara. And and she, she the psychic has an aunt named Eleanor. And she's like, and Eleanor, go away. I, I'm talking to this girl right now. You, you're into because she's a medium too. You know, she brings spirits from the beyond. And and she didn't realize. Wait a minute, Billy was introducing herself under her original name. Let me hear you say it, say it with a kiss. If you mean that look I've seen, say it with a kiss. There is wine and candles shining, music in your lips, music in the touch of your fingertips. Words may not convey it, say it with a kiss, and your look might speak a book that my eyes might miss. You don't have to know the words to love's familiar too. Say it with a kiss and say it so. Talk about Goodnight Nora. I love this tune. I approach music in a very unusual way. Mm. I was Christmas shopping online and I saw this navy blue cardigan. And the color for the cardigan was Goodnight Nora. And I thought, my God, that's a gorgeous name for a color but an even better title for a song. And being that my grandmother was Nora, I, um, I just 
that just inspired me. And I stopped shopping online and I took out my pencil and my paper and the words flowed from me. And I basically wrote uh, the story uh, that my grandmother told me right before she died, um, that the night that she met my grandfather at a crossroads dance in Donegal, Ireland, and then the night that they married in London in 1939. The violets were scenting the woods. My guest, Tardo Grady, on her composition, Goodnight Nora. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired.
I love you talking about how you were inspired to write Goodnight Nora, and I know because I've been reading about you and been so looking forward to meeting you, how you're inspired by so many different things. And it's never occurred to me in just this way until we're talking that an artist or somebody who is very conscious of their creative life, I'll put it that way, even if they're not a professional, they are aware on such a different level and it's such a great level to live on because you immediately saw this and thought, what a beautiful name, what could I do with that? And a lot of this show is focused on getting people, I hope, to think of these things, not that they have to do it professionally. In fact, our mutual friend, Mike Hashem, who we'll talk about who's in your band, had said to me once uh, years ago, why don't you just play some of these tunes and make a decision that you're not going to perform them? just to see what happens, just do them at home. And it was such a great exercise because I'd become so professionalized with all of it that certain tunes had ceased to be as inspiring for me because I was thinking, what am I going to do with them? How am I going to record them? And it's a different level of awareness. And you really have that because you've talked about how going in a subway has given you ideas rhythmically. Talk about that. I am in tune with everything around me. I believe that most people are sleepwalking through their lives. And I am aware of everything. And I've told you before that I don't listen to music, which is interesting. I I won't have it on in the car. I won't have it on in my apartment, because I find it distracting. I want to be listening to all of the sounds. I want to hear nature. I want to hear my footsteps, because everything to me is rhythm and melody, even just listening to someone speak their accent. So I'll hear people talking on the subway and I'll immediately come up with a song because I'm hearing the rhythm of the tracks, the and I'm hearing people talk with their Irish or Jamaican accents. And it just, to me, is pure music. So I, I, every time I'm in the subway, I write a song and I come out of the subway with it and I have to somehow... I, because I don't write music, I have to remember the melody. Um, so I'll often just call myself and leave a message and sing the whole thing. <laughs> I do that too. It's funny you say that. I do it too. That's that's interesting too because I'm thinking back on my first trip to Ireland. And of course it means so much to you and it does to me too because I'm Irish and part Irish, but as I've told you before, it's, it's a part that I really relate with the first time I went to Ireland. And I was struck by the, the people I met being great storytellers and their ability to listen. And you mentioned that when you were growing up, that it was just expected that everybody was going to either stand up and tell a story, they were going to sing a tune. Talk about that, because that's a tradition. Everybody knows about the great writers, uh, Irish writers and all of that, but that doesn't just happen. That comes from a tradition. So talk about that. When you grow up in an Irish family, you are expected to be able to do a party piece at a house party or a session or a pub because the kids are allowed in the pub. And so if you don't play an instrument, which I did not, if you don't tell a story, I, I wasn't confident enough to tell a funny story or something. So I left that to my uncles. 
um, if you don't dance, now I was a dancer. My parents forced me into Irish step. I hated it, the rigidity of it. Oh my God, you can do the river dance thing? Uh, yes, but I didn't <laughs> like it because I grew up in America and I want to shake my hips and I want to flail my arms. <laughs> and I felt Elvis Presley in my pelvis. So I wanted to move, shake, you rattle, and roll. Irish girl. <laughs> <laughs> but I could sing. I, I was always able to carry a tune. And so when they learned that, my parents would like would tell, te teach me or tell me which songs to sing. Mm. And, but I didn't enjoy it. And I didn't feel those songs in my soul. So I never enjoyed it. And But I heard my brother, because in uh, by the time I was 13, 14, he was studying jazz in high school. He was playing clarinet. He was playing flute in the big band orchestra. And they were doing Benny Goodman stuff and all that, you know, Artie Shaw, all these things. And I was like, wow, that's really, that's swinging. And I like dancing. So if I could dance to it and shake and swing my hips, then then I enjoyed it. And then once he got to college, he asked the school he wanted to apply to, he said, um, what instrument do you have a scholarship for? And they said sax. And he didn't play the sax. So he went home, taught himself a sax, got the scholarship, and then was playing sax in the university band. And again, it was all big band stuff. And so for eight years, I listened to my brother playing big band swing, and I was in love with it. So forget about the Irish. <laughs> I, I, want, I wanted to go swing dancing. So that's then I ended up just going out to dance clubs where they had big bands like George G and stuff, and I'd be swing dancing.
George G. and his band on Basie Boogie. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest is vocalist Tara O'Grady. When I started dancing, and, and I was really good, I, was, I ended up, I was just dancing with everyone. You'd, you'd, they'd have these international competitions, and I'd love if the, the, the guys from Finland would ask me to dance, because they were the top in the world, and they were throwing me up in the air, and really? I could do it all. Finnish swing dancers? Are oh, they- yeah. The, the, Northern, the Scandinavians are mad for it. Interesting. So, um, but then I, I think one night I saw a singer up there, and, I went, and it was a female. And I went, oh, wait, hold on. Hold on. I'm not dancing to this one. I'm listening to this girl because I realized I could do that. I think I should, you know, but I didn't give it much thought. Mm. It wasn't until I went to my eye doctor. I think I was about 19 or 20. And I went to my eye doctor and he was wearing these really cool frames. And I said, I need a new prescription and I, I'd like to purchase those frames. And he said, no, only jazz musicians can wear these frames. <laughs> And then I, I was like, what does that have to do with anything? And I saw a picture of him playing guitar and I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, I learned at an early age that you had to fake it till you make it. And you had to, I don't call it lying. Irish call it story- storytelling. We're, we're not lying. We're just exaggerating the truth. Mm, I and I said, that like storytelling, that's a good euphemism. Yes. And I said, my tall tale was, well, I'm a jazz singer. Because I wanted the frames and I figured I'm going to get them. <laughs> And so he says, really? Well, why don't you sing me something? Oh. And I said, well, what do you want to hear? And he goes, well, how about something from Billie Holiday? And I said, who's he? <laughs> and he's like, okay. He nailed you. And he's like, you are not a jazz singer if you don't even know who Billie is. And so, so this obviously is before I knew anything about jazz. And he asked me to sing him anything. And I think I sang him a Patsy Cline song. And he said, well, you have a great voice. And this is what I want you to do. I'm going to write you a prescription for jazz. And he wrote down the name of this place down on Wall Street. And every Sunday, these wannabe jazz musicians, they were all Wall Street bankers, they would get together in the afternoon and just jam. And he figured it was not an intimidating environment. Mm. These guys weren't professionals. Mm-hmm. And I was obviously, I'm a beginner. And every Sunday I went religiously and... These men would say, oh, you should learn this. Ella Fitzgerald does this, or Nina Simone does this, or Peggy Lee has a nice version of this. And I would, I had to buy all those tracks and all those uh, songbooks. This is, you know, before the internet. Mm-hmm. And so you uh, did buy these and listen to them. Yes, I listened to them. And after a year of Sundays, I came back for my annual eye doctor appointment. And I said, um, I've earned my frames. <laughs> I said, not only do I know who Billy, Ella, and Nina are, um, I do you want to start a jazz band? And he, my eye doctor, became my first guitarist, and our first gig was for the Italian Mafia. And we 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 just got this gig through the neighborhood. I'm not even going to tell you where because I'm afraid they'll still they're still out there. But um, we, I, you know, the the mob would ask us to do songs from Frank Sinatra to Dean Martin. They only wanted those kind of songs. Which what I a thought, surprise! Yeah, so stereotypical. And you know, you'd see the 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 lead guy, and he he'd make me wear these long gowns and these long white gloves and pearls. And he'd he'd be crossing the room, slapping waiters in the head, and he'd say, "Hey, gorgeous, see me fly me the moon," and he'd blow a kiss. <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is ridiculous." And, and we, where was this that you did this? 
I'll just say it was in Queens. I'm not I mean, going to say it, anything I, else. I mean, was it a club? Or was it at their home? It was home a private. It, it was a, a private. It gathering. was a private establishment. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's, that's good all enough. I'm going to say. All right. But uh, you know, we worked all the way through New New Year's you Eve. You do that Queens thing really well. I can do it. People don't know that I'm a Queens girl until yeah. I really bring it on. <laughs> but because I, you know, I can go both ways. Irish Queens. Now uh, you know. But uh, I, um, you know, Valentine's Day came up, and. The, the girl that booked us, because, you know, the lead guy, he never called anybody. So the girl booked us, and she, she said, uh, Mr. So-and-so wants you to work Valentine's Day. And I'm like, I'm sorry, we can't, because my eye doctor's married, and my bass player, he has a date probably. And, and she's like, no one says no to Mr. So-and-so. I'm not even going <laughs> to tell you his name. And, and, I, and I was like, well, uh, I'm saying no, all right? I'm Irish. We got our own mafia. We can deal with you people, all right? And she... um. She called us for another time and then wanted to pay us less and only and have us work more hours. And I was just like, oh, forget it. So, so I told my eye doctor, look, let's just quit. And a week after, someone was kneecapped in the parking lot. <laughs> and I thought, my God, I thought only the Irish knew how to do that. But apparently the Italians know how to you do it You should too. probably give a little definition. This is uh, public radio on what kneecapping exactly is. I happen to know, but what well, does that mean? It's when you, they shoot you through the back of the kneecap so it pops out the other end. Mm. And then you can't walk no more. Mm. But um, so, so... So you were glad you quit that gig is the point of the story. Yes. <laughs> oh, damn it, boy. The pipes, the pipes are calling. From Glen to Glen and down the mountainside. The summer's gone and all the Tis you must go and I must buy But come ye back when summer's in the meadow Or when the valley's hushed and white with snow So every summer you would spend in Ireland, which had, so in essence, you were living both places. It had a huge, huge influence on you, an effect on you. But New Orleans has had a huge effect on you as well, and a huge source of inspiration. So talk about that, because that, one of the things I find interesting and appealing about your music is how seamlessly, to my ear, you've put these things together and combined them without just saying, now I'm doing a New Orleans tune. I mean, I hear the Patsy Cline and the Elvis and the New Orleans in all of it, and, and the Irish influence. So I think that's interesting. But what first introduced you to New Orleans, and what about that sound is appealing to you? Well, I had the first time I was ever down there was in college during Mardi Gras, and I just I hated that scene because I'm not a partier, I'm not a drinker. So I ended up just staying away from Bourbon Street, just going to the museum, going to the swamps, like, 
looking at the garden district, doing things that were more cultural. But I wasn't into the music at that time. I was studying film and television uh, production and literature. And it wasn't until I usually, for my birthday, I usually fly my mom somewhere in the world. It's like my gift to her. And so whether it's Amsterdam or Venice or Tokyo, I've taken her everywhere. But but finally, I hadn't been in New Orleans in so long. And I said, Mom, I'm taking you to New Orleans. And it was in April. You know, that's when my birthday is. And that's when Jazz Fest and, and the French Quarter Fest and everything's happening. And um, I guess I just, it was an awakening. It was like, wait a minute. Why have I not been coming down here all the time? Because it's 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 the only city in America that feels like it's not America. Um, and I just, you know, for someone whose senses are just completely in tune with everything, I absorbed it all, the food, the, the way that people talked, the way they walked, everything. And then um, I was looking to expand my audience and some people in New York had, had uh, suggested, why don't you just you know, go get some gigs in New Orleans. They would love your style and they'd love just you as a whole persona. And I find that in New York, you know, you could be naked on stage and they're still not paying attention to you. You have to work so hard as an entertainer to get the attention of the crowd. And why is that, do you think? Because they're so distracted by everything in the concrete jungle. They are distracted by what someone else is wearing. Um, they're distracted by the stupid soundtrack that's blasting, um, just everything. They're, you, you're, you're just, you could be a subway performer. They're just walking by you. You know, I, I, I'm talking, even if you're, you're playing in a, a jazz bar or a wine bar or something, they're still not paying attention. But I was told in New Orleans, they will treat you like a god. And I just thought, let me go see what that feels like. So I made a few calls to some Irish folks. There's there's an Irish network all across America and the Irish will do anything for each other, which is amazing. We call it the Irish mafia. It's not a real mafia. It's just, they're just, you know, they're just people who help you out. And so I made a few calls to some Irish from Ireland in New Orleans. Bam, they put out the green carpet. They had me performing in the Irish channel on a float singing Danny Boy on St. Patrick's Day in New Orleans with my Kashim on saxophone and That's a throwing good, green That's a good beads. Irish name, my Kashim. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And then they oh, had green me. meat. <laughs> oh, I know. And they throw, they don't throw, um, in St. Patrick's Day, they don't throw beads. They throw cabbages and potatoes from the floats. So I was very worried that I was going to yeah. injure a child, which yeah. I did. I beamed a few people. It was very, I was completely, oh. Uh, but um, but you got to be on a float. And television they, and radio. And they, they just, I couldn't believe how open they were. It is so hard in New York to get that kind of coverage and venues. But the, the network just hooked it up for me. Interesting. At, um, Irish cultural centers, um, other jazz bars and clubs. And Did I people just, listen more intently there, do you think? And that's the other thing. When um, the first night that I was singing, you could hear a pin drop and someone told me afterwards, a friend was who lives in the city was there, and she said someone next to her started talking and someone else leaned over and said, excuse me, I paid to get in here. So it, you either stop talking or leave. And 
I was blown away. I said, oh, well, then this is these the place. Are my I, people. Yeah, yeah, these are my right. people. <laughs> yeah. Listen. No, absolutely. Because, you know, I like to tell stories between songs, mm. as the Irish do, and I like to engage with the audience as much as possible. And that's hard to do in New York when no one's even looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> you use lots of different instruments that aren't necessarily uh, used all the time. I love those instruments. And is that from your New Orleans influence or where, what got you into using the instrumentation that you do? Because you're using different instrumentations, but talk about that. That would bring us back, back to Ireland mm. because in the Irish session, they're playing accordions, fiddles, banjos, uh, tin whistles, all that kind of thing. Mm. And even um, the Irish Cultural Museum in the French Quarter, the director there asked me to write a song about the Irish who died digging the new basin canal. And he said between eight and 30,000 Irishmen died digging that canal. And he said, no, it's not in the history books and no one's talked about it. So he said, I want you to write a song about it. And I did because I'll write a song about anything, especially if someone requests it. And um, I heard in my head the... The, I decided to use the African spiritual Dem Dry Bones, but then add lyrics to it. And in my head, I, I wanted to think of a different way to, instead of using an instrument, use an Irish step dancer's feet as the bones. Mm. So uh, she's wearing a shoes that a tap dancer would use, the hard shoe for Irish step. And um, so I, I used an Irish dancer, Dara Carr, on, on my Irish Bayou CD. And so she's portraying the bones. So, you know, you, can, you don't have to use traditional instruments to create uh, the sounds that you're hearing. And so I, I like to experiment like that. to the
Tara O'Grady on Dem Dry Bones. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons and from East Hampton Indoor Tennis, eight indoor and 20 outdoor courts in a quiet, beautiful park-like setting. Visit ehit.ws for more information. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired free on iTunes and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Stride Queen. To find out more about my CDs and where I'm touring and to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. I'm talking with vocalist Tara O'Grady. When you're asked to sing your favorite tune, it stars Fallon Alabama, and I love that tune. Talk about that tune and your favorite version of it, or at least one of your favorite versions, you told me. Yeah, I don't, I guess maybe it is my favorite standard because of who's performing it in, in my favorite version, uh, Louis Armstrong. Um, Louis, you know, it's amazing how you could be in a store or in the cinema and and suddenly you hear that horn in a, in a film, in a scene, um, wherever you are. It, it's so distinct distinct and 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 then you hear his voice so it just draws you in he's so lovable and I loved him so much that I ended up um, volunteering and training at the Louis Armstrong House Museum in Queens which isn't far from where I live and uh, learning as much as I could about him and touring people from Germany and from South America all through his house surprisingly New Yorkers (laughs) tend not to go to this museum. I don't know if they just don't realize it's there, but but for the jazz, love, jazz lovers around the world, they go to his house, and uh, so you're listening to his music in the house all day long. Mm. And so the version that he does with Ella Fitzgerald um, has always been one of my favorites. Probably be, it was in, I, I think it was, was it in When Harry Met Sally? 
it was in one of the film soundtracks, and I was big on movie soundtracks, so mm-hmm. that's probably where I heard it first. Mm-hmm. But um, I love singing that version. Smith, because people don't mention them a lot. No, they're phenomenal. Yeah, talk about them and how you were introduced to them and what you like so much about their music. Probably through swing dancing. Mm -hmm. But talk about it. What what about them really connects with you? 
Louis Prima and Keely Smith, the just the the energy and and the the back and forth and the chemistry is just extraordinary. So I probably started listening to them as a dancer. Mm. And they're just the way that he bounces a, a tune is just infectious for a dancer. But then the way she can call and response with him, her vocals are extraordinary. So I love listening to them. And, and when I was down in New Orleans, I, I went to his tombstone and I sang on it, mm. uh, one of his songs. You but, sang to him? Yes. Under my skin comes in the night and repeats and repeats in my ear. Don't you know, little fool, you never can win. Use your mentality. Wake up to reality. For each time you do, just the thought of you makes me stop before you begin. I'd sacrifice anything come with my For the sake of having you near Spite of the warning voice that comes in the night And repeats and repeats in my ear Don't you know, little fool, you never can win Use your mentality Wake up to reality For each time you do Just the thought of you makes me Stop before you begin Cause I got you under my skin Oh, I got you under my skin. Yeah, I got you, baby, under my skin. Oh, holy mackerel, under my skin. I got you under my skin. Yeah, I got you under my skin. Louis Prima and Keely Smith on I've Got You Under My Skin. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest, vocalist Tara O'Grady, loves duets and commented that few jazz singers do it these days, with the notable exception of Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett. Apparently, jazz was her first love, and this was my whole point about how she knows that people in New York don't listen to you. I read somewhere that, that she was playing her piano and singing in some little New York place, and no one was listening, and she got fed up and took off her blouse. <laughs> and, and then she was paid attention to. So I think she realized, oh, I will just wear meat and do other things to get attention uh, and then go the pop 
route to get even more attention and get money and blah, blah, blah. But she's back to her roots and it's actually, um, uh, it's, it's good for all of us because she's bringing that audience to jazz. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and she's living that, that off repeated joke about how do you make a million dollars as a jazz musician? Start with two million. (laughs) So she's... (laughs) It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. No, it don't mean a thing. All you gotta do is swing. Makes no difference if it's sweet or it's hot. Give it all the rhythm that you got. Oh, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. your duet with Mike Hashem, where he's speaking. I love that. Your macchiato. <laughs> it totally surprised me when I put this on. I loved it. Uh, that, that just, that just happened uh, organically in the studio. We, I, I needed someone to sing the words or do a call and response. And, and he, he did it for me. And I was just surprised how he spoke it instead of singing it. <laughs> oh, you expected him to sing it. Well, I, I wanted someone to sing to me, but... But he wound up speaking it. Yes. Well, there's a perfect example. So that's something that was a complete surprise to you, that you didn't know was going to happen. It was fun, though. Everybody needs a little something A little something To help them get their weary selves from bed Not before noon Everybody needs a little something A little something To help them turn those moody blues to rain Oh, let me be moody 
Everybody needs a macchiato I prefer a latte It's such a lovely way to start the day Not before noon Oh, how I love a coffee bean gelato Chocolate's better I wouldn't have it any other way One, two, one, two, three, four Everyone should take a trip to Paris Or Venice, Dublin, Prague, New York, or Rome But if I had a lover here beside me Oh, I wouldn't wander very far from home You know what I mean? Yes, I do Everyone should stroll inside a garden Why? The season doesn't matter when you do For trees without the leaves can be enchanting Just like this lovely song I'm feeling blue certainly inspiring to me is your incredible style. Now, is that from your mother, from your own love of movies? You, you're gorgeous. So you're starting with a good, a good canvas, but separate from that, you have a really distinctive 
style of putting clothes together and and kind of a retro look, if I can call it that. It is. Yeah, talk about that. Where did that come from? Well, if I got the musicality from my dad, mm. then I definitely got the fashion sense from my mom. Mm. Because when she came to America, she could barely pay her rent because every dollar that she earned, she put towards buying clothing. Ah. And when she walked down the street, people swore she was Elizabeth Taylor. I could she, see that with could, you, so I could see that she would look like that. Absolutely. She could stop traffic and... And she wore, you know, it was the late 50s and she had those big dresses flared and the belts and the collars and polka dots and the whole nine yards. And um, she bought a few dresses for her mother and mailed them home to Ireland. And I was, you know, when my dad likes to clean out closets. And so he got rid of, he made my mom get rid of all of her clothes, which I could kill him for. But thank God these two dresses were mailed to Ireland. And she only brought them back to give me uh, last summer. Mm. They were in my, my grandmother's past now, and they were found in her attic. Mm. And they're in mint condition. So I have a dress from 1958, and I have a dress from 1962. And are you the same size as your mom? I'm the same size as my granny. So they fit me. I didn't have to alter them. Ah. And she was very thin, um, but they're gorgeous. And so, you see, even my granny, she, she'd love to have a new hat. You know, I, ha I have, after she died, my aunt gave me all of her hats from, from London, uh, 1939. Oh. So I have all those hats. So those, because they look old. I was going to ask all you. All my those... hats are vintage. And they're all from that? Or you've, you've no, continued I, to collect I have hats. fans now who mail me hats from all over the country. Wow. I get them from Butte and San Francisco and New Orleans and Austin, Texas. And fans will just either say, I was cleaning out my grandmother's uh, house. Oh, she just passed. Wonderful. I don't want to give these to Goodwill because I know you're going to wear them. And they know. I end up tweeting every night what I'm wearing. And people, want, they take votes online of which hat should I wear tonight with which outfit. And they get all excited. It becomes a game. But I just, I've showed up to gigs. And I didn't have a hat on, and I was scolded by so the audience. So you always wear a hat. Oh, yeah. It's become part of my uniform now. And I just love... I loved the old movies. You know, I studied film. And so being able to dress like my idols, Audrey Hepburn and um, Vivian Leigh, um, it's just its a dream come true. Thank you for doing this. It's fantastic. And best of luck with everything. Thank you. You've been listening to my conversation with vocalist Tara O'Grady. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes or at TalkShoe.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with my Cashamon sax and Chris Flory on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway & Sons and Sag Harbor Florist. Visit sagharborflorist.net. 
Additional support is provided by the American Hotel in Sag Harbor, New York. Learn more at theamericanhotel.com. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired free on iTunes and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Stride Queen. Jazz Inspired goes to Kiowa Island, South Carolina, February 22nd through the 24th, 2016, with interviews and performances on stage. I'll have pianist Bill Cunliffe with me, saxman Harry Allen, guitarist James Chirillo, and bassist Pat O'Leary, along with author Al Green, who will talk about his new biography of his father, bassy guitarist Freddie Green. February 28th, I'll have Grammy Award-winning guitarist John Jorgensen with me at the Clayton Center for the Performing Arts in Maryville, Tennessee. We'll talk about his long association with Elton John and his new three-CD release, which features rock, bluegrass, and jazz. John and I had a band together early in our careers, so there'll be lots of music-making as well. For more information... Go to jazzinspired.com.